Chapters 64 to 69 of The Rule of St. Benedict. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Rule of St. Benedict by St. Benedict of Nursia. Translated by Anonymous. Chapter 64 Of the Election of the Abbot. In the election of an abbot, let the following method always be observed, that he be constituted abbot, whom either the whole community by common consent shall elect in the fear of God, or whom a small part of the same shall choose with greater wisdom. Let him who is to be raised to this dignity be chosen on account of his virtuous life, his learning, and his wisdom, even though he be the last in the community. But although the entire community, which God forbid, shall with one accord choose a man who supports them in their evil practices, and these, by some means, become known to the bishop in whose diocese that place is situated, or to the abbots, or to the neighboring Christians. Let them nullify the election of these wicked men, and appoint a worthy steward over the house of God, knowing that for this they shall receive a good reward, if they do it with a pure intention, and through zeal for God, and, on the contrary, that they sin if they neglect to do so. When once established in his office, let the abbot always reflect how weighty a burden he hath received, and unto whom he must give an account of his stewardship. Let him also know that it is more becoming in him to do good unto others than to hold sway over them. He must therefore be learned in the divine law, that he may know whence to bring forth new things and old. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 52. He must be chaste, sober, and merciful, and always prefer mercy to justice, that he himself may obtain mercy. He shall hate vice, and love the brethren. Even in his corrections he shall act with prudence, and be guilty of no excess, lest, while too eagerly scouring off the rust, the vessel itself be broken. Let him bear in mind his own frailty, and remember that the bruised reed must not be broken. Isaiah 42 and verse 3. By this we do not mean that he should allow vices to grow up, but, as we have said before, with prudence and charity seek to root them out in such a way as shall be expedient for each case. And let his aim be rather to excite love than to inspire fear. He must not be truculent and anxious, neither let him be over-exacting, not headstrong, nor jealous, nor over-suspicious, for then he will never be at rest. Even in what he orders, whether it pertain to God or to temporal matters, let him be prudent and considerate. Let him be discreet and moderate in the works which he enjoins, bearing in mind the discretion of holy Jacob, who said, If I shall cause my flocks to be overdriven, they will all die in one day. Genesis chapter 33 and verse 13. Therefore, adopting these and the like principles of discretion, which is the mother of all virtues, let him so temper all things that the strong may have somewhat to strive after, and the weak, not from which they may flee away. Especially let him observe this present rule in all things, that after having ministered well, he may hear from the Lord what the good servant heard, who gave corn to his fellow-servants in due time. Amen, I say unto you, over all his goods he will place him. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 47. 
Chapter 65 Of the Provost of the Monastery It often happens that by the appointment of a provost, note, this corresponds to our prior, St. Benedict uses prepositus and prior synonymously, end note. Great scandals arise in monasteries, because some, so appointed, being puffed up with the malignant spirit of pride, and esteeming themselves to be second abbots, take upon themselves to tyrannize over others, to foster scandals, and to promote dissensions in the community, and especially in those places where the provost is instituted by the same bishop of abbots as the abbot himself. How foolish this custom is may easily be perceived, for a handle for pride is given to the provost from the very beginning of his appointment, because his thoughts suggest to him that he is now released from the power of the abbot, since he is instituted by the very persons by whom the abbot himself is instituted. Hence arise envy, quarrels, distractions, rivalries, dissensions, and disorders. And while the abbot and the provost are at variance with each other, it must of necessity follow that their souls are imperiled during this dissension. Those also who are under their charge run to destruction by adhering, some to one side and some to the other. The sin of this danger lieth principally upon those who were the authors of such an appointment. Therefore, we see that it is expedient for the preservation of peace and charity that the entire government of the monastery depend upon the will of the abbot. As we have before arranged, let all the business of the monastery be transacted, if possible, by the deans, according as the abbot shall have determined, in order that, many being sharers in the same office, no one may become proud. But if either the circumstance of the place require a provost, or the community with reason and humility ask for one, and the abbot think it expedient, he shall, with the advice of such of the brethren as have the fear of God before them, nominate and appoint one himself. Let the provost do with reverence what shall be enjoined him by the abbot, in no way going against his will or ordinance, because the higher he is advanced above the rest, the more carefully he ought to observe all the precepts of the rule. If the provost be found viciously inclined, or deceived by the haughtiness of pride, or contemner of the holy rule, let him be warned by word of mouth four times. If he do not amend, let the correction of regular discipline be applied to him. If with this he do not grow better, he shall be deposed from the dignity of the provostship, and a worthier man put in his place. If, after this, he be not quiet and obedient in the community, let him be expelled from the monastery. The abbot shall nevertheless bear in mind that for all his judgments he shall have to give an account to God, lest perchance his soul burn with the flames of envy and jealousy. CHAPTER 66 OF THE PORTER OF THE MONASTERY at the gate of the monastery let there be stationed a wise old man, who knows how to receive and to give an answer, and whose ripeness of age will not suffer him to wander from his post. He ought to have a cell near the gate, that such as come may always find him at hand, ready to give them an answer. As soon as any one shall knock, or a poor man cry for aid, let him presently answer, Thanks be to God, or invoke a blessing, and with all mildness of the fear of God, let him reply speedily in the fervor of charity. If he need help, he shall have a junior brother with him. The monastery ought, if possible, to be so constructed as to contain within itself all necessaries, that is, water, 
a mill, a garden, and a bakehouse. Also that the various crafts be exercised within it, so that there be no occasion for monks to go abroad, because it is in no wise expedient for their souls. We wish this rule to be frequently read in the community, that no brother may excuse himself on the score of ignorance. CHAPTER 67 OF BRETHREN WHO ARE SENT ON A JOURNEY Let those who are to be sent on a journey commend themselves to the prayers of all the brethren and of the abbot, and always at the last prayer of the work of God let a commemoration be made of all that are absent. When they come back, they shall, on the very day of their return, lie prostrate on the ground of the oratory during all the canonical hours, while the work of God is being fulfilled, and beg the prayers of all, on account of the faults they may have committed on the way, by sight or hearing of evil things, or by idle discourse. That no one presume to relate unto others what he has seen or heard outside the monastery, because this is a fruitful source of evil. If any one shall presume to do so, let him be liable to the penalty prescribed by the rule. In like manner shall he be punished, who shall presume to break the enclosure of the monastery, or go anywhere, or do anything, how trifling soever, without leave of the abbot. CHAPTER 68 IF A BROTHER BE ORDERED TO DO IMPOSSIBILITIES If any hard or impossible commands be enjoined a brother, let him receive the injunctions of him who biddeth him with all mildness and obedience. But if he shall see that the burden altogether exceedeth the measure of his strength, let him patiently and in due season state the cause of this inability to his superior, without manifesting any pride, resistance, or contradiction. If, after his suggestion, the prior shall still persist in his command, let the brother know that it is for his good, and trusting in the assistance of God, let him obey through love for him. CHAPTER 69 THAT NO ONE PRESUME TO DEFEND ANOTHER IN THE MONASTERY Special care must be taken that on no occasion one monk presume to uphold or defend another in the monastery, even though they be very near of kin. In no way whatsoever let any monk presume to do this, because exceeding great occasion of scandal may arise from thence. If any one shall transgress in this point, let him be severely punished. End of chapter 69 And end of chapters 64 to 69